The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. From our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Hi, I'm Brad Bannon, the host of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for The Messenger in Washington, DC, and a political analyst for News Radio KNX in Los Angeles. If you want to read my columns from The Messenger, uh, you can access them at muckrack.com that's muckrack all one word muckrack.com front slash brad bannon my company bannon communications research polls for uh, progressive issue groups labor unions and democrats mondays on deadline dc i talk to the people and the players behind the politics and policies that drive our great nation forward uh, today, we have two great guests for us. Uh, in the first half hour, Charlie Cook, the founder of the Cook Political Report, joins me uh, to preview the prospects for Joe Biden's re-election campaign. Then in the second half hour, the long-awaited return to Deadline DC of Tara Devlin, the host of Tara Buster, uh, who joins us uh, to discuss the role of corporate media in covering campaign 2024. Uh, we're going to start uh, this half hour off with a clip from NS- MSNBC announcing uh, Donald Trump's uh, victory in the Iowa caucuses. NBC News can now project that Donald Trump has won the Iowa caucus. The first vote's just coming in with Trump leading Haley and DeSantis by double digits. You can see right there, Donald Trump, 14 delegates already awarded out of 40. It's unclear the margin of victory right now. It's still unclear who's in second place because it's still very early. But now with the first contest so far, the first votes underway, Donald Trump, the former president, running away with victory. Now, this is no surprise, but still, it's a notch in the belt for former President Trump, and it gives him the big momentum as he heads to New Hampshire, the contest next week. Again, no big surprise here, but still a very decisive, very big win for Donald Trump. And it also shows where a lot of voters' heads are right now in the Republican Party. Uh, That was MSNBC announcing Donald Trump's victory in the Iowa caucuses. Uh, Our guest in this half hour hour is Charlie Cook, uh, the founder of the Cook Political Report. Uh, Charlie, do you agree with the assessment from MSNBC that uh, uh, his Iowa victory created uh, the big mo for the former president? Well, Brad, thanks for having me on. I I think uh, Donald Trump's had uh, a lot of momentum for seven or eight months. I don't think this thing, this Republican nomination has been competitive in a in a really long time. And that, uh, you know, I think a lot of the other candidates and some were bright, talented people, but they were like job applicants when there was no job opening, that uh, the vast majority of Republicans were just not looking for an alternative to Donald Trump. And um, and as a result, one by one, I you know, I think whether 
uh, Nikki Haley survives New Hampshire will just depend on how many independents vote. But I can't imagine that she'll make it uh, past her home state of South Carolina, where Trump's got a 30 point lead. Now, let me ask you this, Charlie. Uh, Trump got uh, 51 percent of the vote in the uh, caucuses. Uh, he's just about uh, at a little over 50 percent. Uh, in New Hampshire. And last time I checked, he was at 54%, I think, in the last South Carolina poll that I saw. Uh, should we read any anything into the fact that there are close to half the Republicans uh, who are not supporting him in these uh, primaries and caucuses? Um, I think under the way Republicans choose their nomination and pick their delegates, there's no difference between 50% and 100%. That, uh, you know, they use uh, uh, after the first four states, winner take all or winner take most, either by statewide or for individual congressional districts. And you could win a nomination very easily, just consistently pulling up 37, 38, 40%. So, uh, no, this thing, uh, I would not draw that conclusion at all. And plus, we only have a sample of one state. But, you know, it, it's it's pretty clear that what what is the Republican Party today, as opposed to the way it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, uh, this is a party that's owned and operated by Donald Trump. OK, uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, I agree with your assessment. It looks like uh, Trump is at the beginning of a role. And, you know, just for our viewers and listeners, could you tell me what you think drives Trump's support? Yeah, I think um, the world is changing. Our country is changing. Society's changing. Everything's changing. Uh, and uh, there is a, a not insubstantial group of people that are just uncomfortable with all that change. And they want to roll things back. They want to go back to where things were, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 years ago. And, um, you know, it's not going to happen, but um, over the long haul, but um, they uh, this, you know, just as Donald Trump could not possibly have won a Republican nomination 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, um, a Mitt Romney, John McCain, George W. Bush, his dad, Ronald Reagan could not win a Republican nomination today. It's, it's just it's a different party. It's a it's more of a downscale populist nationalist nativist uh, oriented party is not the party you know that uh, um, that we sort of knew not that long ago okay you're just about uh, or have just written a column about uh, Joe Biden's prospects for re-election uh, could you uh, talk about that what is driving the opposition to Joe Biden well, as you remember, Brad, uh, the president's numbers, job approval numbers were in the mid to high 50s for uh, when he took office through, say, June of 2021. And then they kind of dropped down to 50 and 49 and then dropped down to another level uh, of 44 percent or below, you know, since September of 2021. I think initially some of it was concerns about inflation. Uh, some of it was uh you know, fallout from the fall of Afghanistan, not the decision to leave, but the circumstances of how it how it ended up happening. But I think over time, um, you know, concerns about age and health and all these things have kind of all merged together. And uh, I think that the next couple of weeks will be really, really critical for the for 
all those who, who desperately want uh, Joe Biden to get reelected or def- desperately want uh, Donald Trump not to come back to the White House, I think the next couple of weeks are key because we have just seen in December and January huge spikes in consumer confidence. And that, um, you know, the article of faith that Democrats have had for some time is the economy is going to turn around, the economy is improving, consumer confidence will go up and President Biden's job approval rating will then go up as well. Well, right now, you know, consumer confidence is spiking. And so we're gonna be watching over the next couple of weeks to see is there a corresponding increase in President Biden's uh, uh, job approval ratings or has that become disjointed and is it no longer connected really with, uh, with the economy? But. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any question that the economy and, uh, and inflation help bring his numbers down. But the question is, will it work the flip side or has he just picked up too much baggage and along the way? And, um, you know, just sort of concerns about age and vitality and all that um, have weighed him down so that he, you know, can he turn this corner or not? And I think you know, I wouldn't say that the next two weeks will be the moment of truth, but I think it will be a moment of truth um, for, for for Democrats to see, OK, how resilient is he? OK, uh, let me ask you a question before we're going to probably have about a minute left before we break. Uh, Donald Trump uh, last week uh, went on a rant on uh, TV about uh, uh Nikki Haley's role uh, in not controlling uh, the outbreak of violence uh, at the uh, infamous uh, Capitol coup on January 6, 2001. Why do are people so focused on Biden's age and not the fact that uh, Trump seems increasingly confused? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's absolutely true. There's only three and a half years difference in their in their ages. But um, we had not had quite as many demonstrable examples the way we did. I mean, confusing Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. Um, wow, that's kind of a jaw dropper. Uh, but we had not seen those quite as often. But, the, you know, I think the answer to your question is that, uh, um, that, that President Biden looks, you know, 10, 12 years older than, than Trump does, and that that's what the impression that people have been getting. But uh, it, that sure was a jaw dropper, no question. Charlie, I'm going to have to interrupt you because we're going to take a short break uh, for our radio listeners. We will be continuing this interview with Charlie Cook for the, our uh, fans on Facebook and Twitter. Our guest in this uh, half hour is one of America's foremost political observers, uh, Charlie Cook, the founder of the Cook Political Report. Uh, Charlie, you know, going back to uh, voter assessments of President Biden's handling of the economy, does it strike you, is it easily explainable or not uh, that he hasn't got any credit for already for the improvements in the economy and if is there a reason for that 
Um, I, I wouldn't say I've, I've got a reason, but there, there's a theory. I mean, there, there are two competing theories. And one theory is that as people start feeling a lot better, his numbers will go up. The competing theory would be that uh, while concerns about inflation, the economy brought his numbers down, other things have kind of mired it and are holding it down and keeping it from, from rebounding. And you know we'll we'll sort of start having some clues about that in the next couple of weeks, um, but um, it, it's you know it's it's clear that we have not seen a rebounding yet, um, and um, you know I think we just have to give it a little bit more time. But I think um, too many Democrats just assume that his numbers will automatically go up with consumer confidence, when that may not be the case, and that it could be. Um, just feelings of concern that it's time for, you know, that he should say, you know, I've accomplished a lot, I've done a lot, and I'm going to uh, uh, focus on finishing the job for the next year, and the party can pick a replacement for me. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that would be in Democrats' best interest if he did, and just let it, you know, let everybody fight it out. But uh, again, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but um, you know, it could be that you've got a slice of voters in the middle that have just hit the mute button uh, in terms of for the president, uh, for the, you know, eight, 10 percent that are truly in the middle. Do you think that the Biden administration has done a good job up to this point of selling its economic accomplishments? You know, I don't know that it's a matter of being able to sell or not able to sell. I think people feel things in their daily lives and they you know, the, the, the reality is that particularly these people in the pure independence in the middle, they don't read, watch, listen to much in the way of news. Uh, they don't like or trust politicians or politics, and uh, they don't actually don't pay much attention to this stuff. So that a president could be messaging all day long and they wouldn't necessarily get it because that's just not something that they're into on a daily basis. I mean, that, you know, a true, very few true independents would be watching a show like this. So they're not watching CNN or MSNBC or Fox or anything like that. Uh, they're not watching the news hour. Uh, that um, the, the people that really do make the difference one way or the other in this election um, are some of the lowest information voters out there. And yet they're the critical group. Uh, you know, you've got true believers on each side and they make up about 90 percent of the electorate. But the 10 percent in the middle, these are. Um, um, so I, I wouldn't blame the messaging as much. Uh, you know, I think that's I think it's kind of a cop out to blame the messaging um, when there could be, you know, other things at work here. OK. Uh, do you think. Uh Democrats take Donald Trump seriously as a opponent to Biden in the fall. Uh, my, uh, I grossly underestimated uh, Trump's strength in 2016. You know, my basically, I kept thinking to myself, there's no way voters are going to uh, elect this man president. I was wrong, quite clearly. Brad, you were um, the person on that boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, I still have this tendency to this, you know, I mean, it's 
Donald Trump, let's face it. But then again, I remember I so misunderstood myself in, in 2016. Uh, my question is, do you think Democrats take Trump seriously? I think people in each of the two parties live in silos now. And they live and talk and work and deal all day long with people that tend to think pretty much the same as they do. And they're not necessarily that clued in to, you know, where where other people are. I do think, I mean, when you see uh, President, former President Obama uh, basically pleading with the president, hey, you need to take this more seriously. David Axelrod, James Carville, you know, you've got some people that know something about politics and have for a long time that are saying uh, this thing is a lot more serious than uh, than you guys seem to be taking it. And I, I don't take analysis about what's going on in the Democratic Party from Karl Rove terribly seriously. But Rove had a, a column in the Wall Street Journal a couple months ago where he basically said, who are these guys? Where he was looking at the the people that are at the top of the campaign, the Biden campaign, like up in Wilmington, and saying these don't look like the people that Bill Clinton had, that Barack Obama had, or that George W. Bush had in their reelects. And it's, uh, you know, there's some really bright, talented people around President Biden, but they're, they seem to be more in the White House, you know, a lot more and not uh, full time at the, at the, at the, at the campaign. But I don't, uh, I've been somewhat underwhelmed with what I've seen. So I think there is a problem both in terms of the Democratic electorate and uh, among, you know, some fo- some other folks that uh, they're not taking the Trump threat as seriously. I mean, right now of the seven swing states, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, uh, uh Joe Biden won six out of seven. I think he'd be lucky today if he carried two. Okay. Well, let me, you have contacts and friends in both parties. Let me ask you the reverse question. Uh, do Republicans fear, uh, think, some, many of them think that, oh God, we have this great opportunity to G- beat Joe Biden, but are they nervous that Donald Trump's probably going to be their nominee? Uh, a lot of, you know, and, and the folks in the Republican Party that I know uh, and have long known are, are not very, 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 very few are from the Trump wing of the party. And most of those kinds of the kinds of Republicans I'm talking about are absolutely despondent that this isn't the party that they belong to, that they've committed their lives and commit uh, and careers to. Um, and so they're their sorrow is that Trump has taken over their party. Uh, but, you know, I don't know that there are a lot of Republicans that are uh, chewing their fingernails off because they think Trump's going to lose because there's a hell of a lot more evidence on the other side of that equation than on the, 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 the uh, that, you know, he's a stone loser. Um, I mean, there, you'd be hard pressed to find any demographic group where President Biden is as strong as he was in the fall of 2020. Okay. Uh, Charlie, thanks very much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I know you're going to be very busy this year. I hope you can make time to come back on the show because uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, Our guest in this half hour has been Charlie Cook, founder of the Cook Political Report. 
uh, and one of America's foremost political observers. In the second half hour, uh, we'll be talking to Tara Devlin, host of Tara Buster podcast, uh, with her take on corporate media coverage of campaign 2024. We'll be right back with Tara. Welcome back to Deadline Seat with Vlad Van. Our guest in this half hour is Tara Devlin, the host of the Tara Buster podcast. Yes. Before we get to yes. uh, Tara Buster, uh, we're going to uh, play this clip from uh, former GOP uh, Representative Lynn Cheney, who says that we're sleepwalking into a dictatorship. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Liz Cheney, excuse me. He's yes. told us what he will do. It, it's very easy to see the steps that he will take. People who say, well, if he's elected, it's not that dangerous because we have all of these checks and balances, uh, don't fully understand the extent to which the Republicans in Congress today um, have been co-opted. One of the things that we see happening today is a sort of a, a sleepwalking into a dictatorship in the United States. Uh oh. That was uh, Liz Cheney uh, talking about the dangers of a Trump candidacy. And for those of you who are listening on radio and didn't see it, a black cat just <laughs> uh, crossed Tara's path, which yes, I hope doesn't mean we're going to have technical problems. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, welcome back to Deadline DC, Tara. It's great to finally have you on. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Are we sleepwalking to a dictatorship? Yes. Uh, I, I mean... I agree with her 100 percent. And, you know, of course, I never thought I'd say I agree with Liz Cheney, but she's she's on the money. But the, the, the way I feel or the way it seems to me is that the and this kind of weaves into what we're talking about, about the corporate media today and that they're treating Trump like he's a normal candidate. So it's kind of crazy making where. On one hand, you'll get some of the pundits. They'll they'll do uh, they'll talk about his authoritarian tendencies. He's not an author. He doesn't have tendencies. He's an authoritarian. He says, "I want to be a dictator on day one," and he wants to cancel the Constitution and whatnot. And then you'll go to regular coverage of the polls. This drives me up the wall, as if it's just a numbers game. And I don't see what value that gives to the American people, just giving, regurgitating these polls. You're just polling low information voters. And therefore, you're kind of like creating a feedback loop of, you know, uh, it's kind of group think then. Oh, yeah, I think I think Joe Biden's old, too. Me, too. You know, because they what the hell do they, do they know? They just keep hearing it. They keep hearing about how everything sucks. So th he's not a normal candidate. He needs to. It, it really does need to be addressed like that. And I'm sick of this. Uh, they want to. Of course, they play the both sides game. They're both sizing us into this authoritarian hellscape and it's not about both sides you know one side is is coronating a wannabe dictator 
who's outright and openly talking about it. Imagine if the Democratic Party um, had any candidate that said they were going to they wanted to cancel the Constitution. Okay, and they all know that would never happen, of course, but the Republicans would be freaking out. But they all know that Trump lost the election. That's the other thing. Maybe maybe perjury trader Green doesn't. And, uh, you know, Lauren banned from the bowling alley and Beetlejuice uh, Bobert, you know, but they all know this and they're they're in with the big lie. And it really is. Uh, that's, you know, is it's the, the sleepwalking is the um, is really on the part of the media, I believe. It's they're kind of lulling us into a sense of security. Like this is just a normal, an everyday candidate that somebody might choose. Sorry, I'm sorry for the uh, monologue there, Brad, but yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Tara. When you say the media treats Trump like a normal candidate, what do you mean by that? Well, they they simply it's they pre- present him simply as a choice that a normal choice that a, that an average normal Republican voter might choose that he's just you know it's like oh this guy I like this guy's policies and the and the other thing is when they ask Trump voters or the Republican they say who do you support you know Trump well why I like his policies what po-? then there's no there's never a follow up what policies are you talking about what did he what policies because he, the only thing he ever did when he was in office was he further concentrated wealth. So, you know, we already had the most, the widest income gap with the least uh, upward mobility of all Western democracies. And he came in there and and made it worse with the Trump tax scam, which made uh, all of the gains uh, went to the uh, top 80%, what was it, uh, 87% went to the top 1%. So, it's um you know they, they there's none of it's like we it's like a uh, we just uh, projecting um whatever they they feel of oh, his policies what policies well, i like his policies the policies of what you know being a criminal well that Taking yeah that's a good up. point tara because you know watching the coverage of the gop primary yeah you yeah. never know the issue discussion, the way I see it in the Republican primary, has been limited to two issues, bashing immigrants yes. and bashing women who want to make their choices right. about their bodies based on their personal considerations exactly. rather than politics. Mm-hmm. And you never know there was a war in the Middle East going on or war in Eastern yes. Europe um, mm-hmm. or if, you know, the Republicans complain about uh, the economy all the time, but God forbid they actually oh, yeah. talk about uh, mm-hmm. what they would do to fix it. Uh, oh, and so it really boils down to everything on the Republican side boils down to uh, whether or not you want Donald Trump should be the nominee again. Yes, that's uh, it. Every other, right. it's all about Trump 24 mm-hmm, 7. Absolutely. Uh, and there's very little consideration or discussion of issues, unless, of course, that's... And woman bashing is mm-hmm. an issue. And, you exactly. know, one of the things that you've set me off here, sorry. <laughs> it's, but, no, you're, uh, I'm, I'm with you, you know, 100%. One of the things that drives me crazy uh, is uh, last week uh, Donald Trump went into this rant um, about the abortive capital coup on uh, January mm-hmm. 6, 2001. 
and he talked about how Haley didn't do anything. Uh, oh, yeah, control, yeah. Uh, or deal with yes. it. And, you know, and then they complain about Joe Biden's age. Right. I mean, you know, it does some of the coverage just drives me yeah. nuts. It's uh, it's really uh, makes me uh, I mean, I, I get as my stomach in a knot every morning and you could play a game, just turn on the TV and and say, well, don't take a drink every time they say Trump, but just count the seconds before the word Trump comes out of their mouths. It's just and and polls. That's the other thing, the polls. So that you're absolutely right. Joe Biden, they keep talking. I mean, all of that, that's all propaganda. That's why the corporate media and the silos of information that people are in, that, that is really the most dangerous thing that we're dealing with. Because without that that concentration of uh, media, right, there's the, and you're, and Charlie Cook in the, in the uh, prior segment was talking about that. It's that we're all getting news from different places. And that's why Trump went with the uh, fake news BS. So he's really devaluing the currency of truth. And you, you really can't have a functioning democracy with if people don't have trust and and when that's one of the most disgusting things he's done to this country he's really poisoned the public discourse against i mean they've been doing it for years though with against government against the government that the founders fought a revolution to create and entrust to us so that's the government we're the government and you know, they all know that uh, it, you know, the election isn't stolen. They all know that Trump is unfit. They know he's a child. They know, but they don't care. They want the power. And I guess, um, and I've always said in every Republican chess beats the heart of fascism. And here they are. They're not, they're proving me right again, uh, unfortunately, because I really don't want to live in a fascist country. So, and uh, we're getting glimpses of it. It's not do you pretty. think that's a, there's this a real danger of that? I do because he has no respect for the law. This is ha this is what happened in Germany. Even though I and uh, oh, the, because people say it's not like that because there's no death camps. That the death camps don't come first; they come late. He's already talking about putting people in camps. He's talking about rounding people up. And uh, Tara, know. we're going to have to take a break <laughs> now yeah. to uh, give our radio listeners a rest. But we will be continuing with this interview with Tara Devlin, host of the podcast Tara Busta, um, uh, through the break. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with our radio listeners in a few minutes. Uh, this is Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, we are talking about uh, the 24, 2024 campaign today. Uh, Tara's uh, offered us her unique insights on the dangers that American democracy is facing and we will have more with her and presumably her cat um, <laughs> when we get back from this break. Welcome back to Deadline with Brad Bannon. Uh, we're back with the hostess with the mostest, uh, uh, Tara Devlin, the host of the podcast, Tara Buster. Uh, Tara, let's start out uh, with this. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same one of the same questions mm -hmm. I 
Charlie Cook in the first segment. Do you think Democrats and progressives take the threat of Trump seriously? There are a lot of people, and I know some of them, and my guess is you know some of them too, who think there's no way Americans after what happened during his first term, the COVID outbreak, the decline in the economy, uh, the the abortion decision, that Americans are are ever going to elect this man to be president for a second term. Mm Right. Uh, do you think uh, Democrats and progressives take the Trump threat seriously enough? Uh, I I hope so. I think so. I I know that everybody I'm associated with are pretty um, you know, motivated to stop him legally and peacefully. You know, we don't ha- we don't storm the Capitol or things like that. But this is, I mean, there. I don't think the American people. Um, I wanted. I mean, aren't you tired of it? I, every time I see that orange a hole, I'm like, can I get a minute here without you, dude? You know, everywhere we look, this guy, he's in our faces constantly, and he's a horrible person. It's just a horrible. There's no. There's absolutely no redeeming qualities about this person. It's just shocking how somebody could be so horrible. And I. I think. I, I guess people didn't take him seriously. They, uh, they think, oh, I wish he would stop tweeting back in the day. Uh, I mean, that's that's the big problem you have with him. You don't have the, the, the problem with everything else. But it's just the uh, the fact that the Republicans, they don't really the, the problem with them in general is that they they don't have leaders. They have they kind of like ha- have Johnny Bravo's who like fit the suit and they they cycle through them like Nikki Haley and now Trump, they they're riding Trump to, uh, you know, tax breaks and deregulation. That's the only thing they have for America. And, and democracy can be damned as far as they're concerned, because when the American people vote and this is what they know, when people vote, they lose. That's why they limit um, you know, they gerrymander, they they suppress the vote, they kick people off the voting rolls, they try to make it as difficult as possible. So people have, uh, you know, they just don't like democracy. That's really, that's always been a fundamental, uh, you know, um, inherent state or, or trait in the Republicans. They're, you know, it's conservatism in a nutshell. It's uh, the right people should rule. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, if uh, our radio listeners would like to watch the show, uh, you can watch the show on uh, twitter.com front slash Brad Bannon or on facebook.com front slash deadline DC with Brad Bannon front slash videos. Uh, uh, one thing we saw in Iowa in the Republican caucuses is that the uh, the Trump mega faithful are still out there? Uh, well, yeah, they, that's true. <laughs> I know but they are. It's, I hear you. Um, it's a shame. Are progressives energized? Well, that's another story. Yeah, I see. This, they, that's what I keep hearing from the MAGA moron base. They're like, I know I shouldn't call them that or whatever, but it's just. I mean, that's their bottom line. There are thirty five percent of the population are authoritarian follower fa- followers they fall under that category that's why his 
approval rating will never go below 35%. These are a real, this is a cult. They have already given up a lot. They're they're not going to abandon him because these are people who are like true believers. They've lost members of their family. They won't speak to them. And, you know, this is their entire identity. So, um, yeah, and Democrats just don't have that. We don't behave like that. Joe Biden is not a, are meant, I don't know, he's just a, he's a representative. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a president. He's not our idol. He's not a Fuhrer. So um, do, what was the question? Do they? Well, uh, <laughs> let me put it this way. You know, there's all lots of evidence to believe that this is going to be a close presidential race. I don't uh, believe and, it, really. And what if the if the Trump folks are energized, mm-hmm. are they though? I mean, what the Trump can ones are. We yeah. do get progressives energized. Well, it's it's abortion, I believe, and also the threat of Trump. I think that you know Joe Biden has a um, he'll have a harder time against Nikki Haley, even though she's a nothing, nothing. I mean, I don't know. She's just like, tell me what you want me to say. You know, I'm Nikki Haley, and. Uh, yeah, she's really tedious to me and sophomoric and very, you know, babyish and childish. Like, we're we're the best. And, you know, like the never, ever say anything. Like, we're not a racist nation. I mean, this whole delusion as if they're they're just not fit to lead. They don't they're not they lack the fundamental maturity to function in a, in a especially di- a diverse nation. So, I mean, if, I think that. Trump will be a great motivator to get people out uh, uh, to vote. And I think that people because there's such there they are such low information voters in this country. And that just means they're not informed at all, as we say, but they don't pay attention until two weeks before. They're like, oh, I like this one. They, she had a good zinger, you know, like they go to the debate and she goes, well, you know, uh, takes a good woman to, you know, it's so like she'll have some zinger and they'll be way. Hey, I like her. She gave a good zinger. It doesn't mean that, you know, she's capable of being the president, but OK, this is what we're dealing with. But that's a byproduct of the silos of information, too, because you keep hearing Everything sucks. Everything sucks. And then you go on to so-called liberal media and there's which doesn't exist. But what they, you know, CNN, MSNBC and it's the polls where they're just constantly beating it up. Everybody thinks Joe Biden is too old. The, the election is so close. The election is so close. And in this state, Trump comes ahead and this and everybody, you know, it's like this feedback loop. What do you think is going to happen? Why don't they? do some stories about the factories that are opening in the United States finally because of the Chips and Science Act. Why don't they do stories about people's, how their lives have changed since uh, Joe Biden, you know, uh, lowered the price of insulin, you know, and the Republicans block it. And the other thing with abortion too, the Democrats, you know, the only, the only response to the Republicans saying they're pro-life should be a laugh track, frankly. And because if you're really pro-life, you would vote Democratic because like we were saying, you know, the abortion rate goes down under Democratic policies. So it's uh, the, I don't know what they're selling on the other side, but it's all this. It's anger It's fear. 
It's fear of the other. It's, you know, somebody's going to change your gender. A caravan's coming to kill you. It's like all this nonsense, you know. And uh, Joe Biden's like actually improving people's lives from the bottom up. So I think if the corporate media did some of that, there might be a different response to these polls. So, well, let me let me ask you this, Tara. Has Joe Biden, the president, has the power of the pulpit? Yes. Uh, he has the power of persuasion. Mm-hmm. You think that the Biden administration has done a good job using the media to get the message across? No, I think they need to be more forceful and not. I know he's trying not to alienate the so-called normal Republicans, but. They're really, I mean, okay, let, I'll leave that to him. I don't really think there are any normal Republicans. If you're a normal Republican, you would have already abandoned this party. So, but. Well, I think that's true. I think, the, you know, a lot of Republicans have uh, left the Republican yes. Party um, uh, to become independents. Right. Uh, and the same thing has happened actually in the Democratic side where we, you know, lost like blue collar workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Which is a dependable Democrats uh-huh. who are now voting for Trump. And that's you know why? Because Trump is I mean, and, and the really the bottom line is racism. That's really the truth. And there's many studies that back that up about them. It's they. You know, he it's a scam. You're telling them that it's 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 a scam to get people to point their anger b- down the ladder instead of up at the policymakers, like the Republican policy policymakers, where it belongs, and to keep people divided, especially along racial lines. So, I mean, and that's why they don't want to talk about race either, or talk about you know. Tara, I'm going to have to interrupt you again, sadly, because we're out of time. All right, it's all right. Uh, I want to thank our guest today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, uh, Tara Devlin, the host of the Tara Buster podcast. Thank uh, you. And Charlie Cook, uh, the founder of the Cook Political Report. And, of course, our Crackerjack executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, uh, who makes sure the show stays online, which it did today. Uh, and uh, keeps me on time. Uh, We'll be back next week with another edition of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, and we'll see you then.